The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Master Mai, good afternoon. Welcome to Man in Line on Max Radio. Seven minutes after 12 midday. We're open line today through till one. Remember, tomorrow it's North Douglas. Constituency Man in Line. Both MHKs, John Wannenberg and David Ashford, will be in the studio. So if you want to talk North Douglas or you can't get to the phone, you want to put a message in 682 631 on the answer phone or email maninline at manxradio.com. But today we're open line through, so what must say congratulations to uh, Douglas Central MHK and Corlett, who's received unanimous backing to become the new Deputy Speaker of the House of Keys. Of course, Daphne Kane, who replaced Julie Edge, used to be Deputy Speaker, now it's uh, Anne Corlett. So uh, congratulations to uh, Mrs Corlett uh, for that. To get to the lines now, John's first with us now. Hi, John. Afternoon, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks, yeah. You're sounding very good. Oh, thank you very much. The, de- the day is early. It's all downhill. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. You've got to be positive. Um, we've heard just recently about the chief minister and a vote of no confidence, and indeed it was um, mentioned on the news about it. What I find particularly interesting is that the chief minister is actually saying all external debate about his position should be stifled and it should be taken into turn world where you've got 24 members where effectively, as I see it, he can mentally influence those members. However, if you think about it, these MHKs are actually doing what they were elected to do, to represent their constituents. So they're asking their constituents. So I can't see how the chief minister can complain about that. Now, he's saying that um, social media isn't a good thing. So let's put it another way. Manx Radio did a survey or a poll or whatever you want to call it about the bishop. Do you remember that some time ago? Yeah. How about Manx Radio does a poll for the population of the Isle of Man of the current MHKs? Who would the population like to see as chief minister? Uh, well, we do have for sure. I think the newsroom have done something in the past where they open a social media poll. Um, I mean, the problem is with social media polls, everybody who's not on social media says, you're excluding me. Well, yes, this is true. But, you know, if, for instance, you could have an email address or something like that so people could send in an email or a text or, you know, something like that. So there are other means of communicating with you. So do you think uh, this uh, current... Co- and remember, this was uh, prompted in part by the fact that Julie Edge was uh, sidelined from her role and um, criticised uh, the chief minister. Uh, do you think this, uh, the, the current, um, this current line of thought and debate is merited? Do you think there's any, any good that can come of it? Yes, I do. Um... I, I don't think the chief minister is actually doing what the population of the island wants him to do. He's doing his own thing, and he's just charging along, and he's been said to, you know, look, maybe we should take a step back and think about things before we just charge headlong into it. But he's, he sounds very arrogant and forthright on, on the radio or, or whenever you hear him speak. And I'm just going to do what I want is the impression that he gives, well, to me at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Isle of Man... 
system, if you like, the constitution is such that, you know, we don't have political parties, or we do, but they're very minority parties. Um, we have 24 independent, uh, mostly independent MHKs. So, as you say, that'll be sorted out when 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 Keyes is elected. They will sort it out amongst themselves who's going to be chief minister. And consensus politics is really what tends to follow. Are you? I mean, are you hinting or are you saying that the consensus has broken down? Yes, I think so. Um, we've got much of a dictatorship. That's how I see it. Um, one analogy I, I use is that every five years the population gets invited into the foyer of the Gaiety Theatre, allowed to look through the windows to see the pantomime carrying on and then kicked out for another five years. We as, as the people, as the population, don't actually get much to say. And half the problem is, okay, we elect the MHKs, and that's where the disconnect appears, because the MHKs then take their opinion. So... It, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's much like the population is all kept out. That's probably the same in most places. I mean, you wouldn't suggest, I mean, well, would you suggest that an MHK is merely a delegate of the population? Okay, define the word delegate. Well, what does delegate mean? Basically, reflecting each particular view of each particular voter. Isn't that meant to be democracy? Well, I mean, I know you can't take a thousand people and have a thousand different views because nothing would work then. Yeah. I mean, that would tend to suggest then that if an MHK has got a different view to a particular voter, that's the wrong MHK. Well, that's it. I mean, I've heard on the radio people saying if they knew Laurie Hooper was going to go and remove the vote of the bishop, they would never have voted for him. So uh, in that uh, instance, what you've got there is Laurie Hooper's got his own agenda which is different to the people who elected him. So they, then they clearly there's something wrong there. And the same has been said about Dr. Allenson and his private member's bill for a sister dying. Exactly, yes. So what's the point of voting for MHKs if they go and do something differently to what they ask the people to... Uh, how do I rephrase that? They, 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 they give their manifesto, the people believe it, and then vote for them, and then the MHK goes and does something differently. What, what's, what's the point of that? It's just a charade, really. That's not democracy. So what do you think is the next step forward, John? I think one way to do it, and whether it be an early election, new election, I don't know. But I think during the elections, you should have all the MHKs or prospective MHKs, and on that election, you should have also for the chief minister, you know, so... I don't know, so you've got four MHKs on the ballot, and one of them says, I'm going to go for a chief minister if I'm elected as an MHK. So you could vote for whoever, and then yes or no for that prospective chief minister. And more importantly, and I've heard this said before, there should be none of the above on the ballot. So you think, so just to reiterate, if somebody has an ambition to be chief minister, that should be on the voting slip? Yes, because at the moment we don't know what we're going to get. Interesting. Well, what, yeah, who, who, yeah. Who, who are we going to get? We have no idea. Okay. And, it, and is it a case of, you know, what's the whole point of this? Is it the way the people of the Isle of Man want the island to go, or is it of a few select individuals? Interesting. Okay. John, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Take care. All right. Now it's uh, 14 minutes past 12. Howard's with us. Uh, hi, Howard. Hi, Andy. Now, just listen to John there. He's speaking a lot of sense. Um, the ministerial system 
Well, it started out, um, what was the name, Miles Walker, uh, many years ago. And it's gradually slid down to, from what was going to be a ministerial system, to a dictatorship. And now, as um, as they're going in, plus the fact that everybody is paid an equal wage now, whether in a ministerial post or not, um, there's no ambition to help and to... Um, progress. They all just seem to be standing around in a circle and arguing between themselves. Um, there's the, the chief minister now, and as uh, I've, I've heard it more and more and more, he is becoming more dictatorial and arrogant. Uh, one, um, of the, one of the reasons that they flattened out the pay, I think, was that there was criticism that the chief minister of the day had um, privilege in his hand or her hand in that they could hand out ministerial positions which came with more remuneration, if you like. They correct. had their hands on. So it meant then that people criticised some ministers because... You know, they thought that they'd obviously toe the line because the chief minister held their, their, their salary in their hand. So it was flattened out for that very reason. But now, as you say, everybody's getting the same, virtually the same. Yeah, but they're paid on a, a spine. Um, and they should have been um, left as it was. They originally went in and raised the wage structure or the salary structure to allow the man in the street to join the, the government yeah. previous to that it was all business people who yeah. were doing it either for a hobby or for the, the you know the goodness of the island yeah. but having said that uh, it's gradually uh, well I'm saying now rapidly deteriorating to a point where uh, the people are being told what to do and it's no longer becoming a democracy so do you think and, I mean in the old days of Exco the executive council <laughs> and the boards was that a better way of doing it well, they were held accountable. Nowadays, they're, well, they made a Teflon and nothing sticks to them. And one of the other things there, too, our chief minister, for many years, he was head of the Civil Service Commission on the island, which means he has a lot of friends within the civil service. And strings can always be pulled. There's favours to be asked and favours to be requested. I'm not saying there's any monetary gain or anything like that. I wouldn't suggest that. But having worked within the Civil Service Commission and being head of it, there is a, there is a discrepancy there. But uh, you look at the number of um, ministers in the Cabinet, and there's a large percentage of them from the north of the island. And this, it, it makes you wonder just what is happening within our own government. Interesting, because, I mean, it may be complete coincidence, but when all the uh, <laughs> kerfuffle over the southern swimming pool was happening, it was noticeable that the nearest minister would have been uh, Jane Paul Wilson in middle. Mm-hmm, yep. They seem to be largely congregated around the north. And there's the Treasury, there's the uh, Health... Uh, and now you've got um, Daphne Kane in the education, yeah. all powerful bodies. Well, two in Aaron Michael and two in Ramsey. That's four of the big ones in the north mm -hmm. just yep. there. That's 50% of the cabinet, uh, which is um, a powerful means uh, to follow. As um, And I had the greatest respect for Alf Cannon's father, David, but he seems to have got to a point now where... Um, he seems to be indispensable. And um, 
<laughs> what does he say? No man is indispensable, but if he is, he's up to no good. And uh, But that's not what I come on for anyway. Somebody, one of your listeners may remember this. It was said when the roundhouse was being built, constructed, when it's finished and it's active, um, they didn't present how the people were going to get into it, but what they did say, over the weekends when the Palatine Clinic is not operational, they can use, the people coming to the roundhouse can use the car park at Palatine. Now, I could be wrong, but as far as I know, the only way you can access is through the hospital grounds. It's either coming in from the um, <clears throat> the west side or coming in from the, big, the well, a bigger roundabout on the Douglas side, and that way into the Palatine car park, and that was going to be used in the words of somebody on a radio, your not necessarily your radio program, but Max Radio. It was either one of the MHKs or one of the Braddon commissioners. So there must have been an inkling of people being allowed to access it through the hospital roads. Okay. All right. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Bye now. uh, Good to hear from you. You can probably find out because uh, the vice chair of Braddon Commission that is with us. uh, Faster, Mike. Good afternoon. It's Peter Scott. Hi, Peter. Good afternoon, Andy. Thank you for for, uh, taking my call. What I'd like to do, there's been a lot of debate recently, quite rightly, about the problems up at the Roundhouse, about the access. And what I'd like to do is give the public Bradley's perspective. And now what I'm going to say is not my opinion. It is irrefutable facts. So as regards the access, the government or certain members of the government have been shouting from the rooftops that we can't use the road access to access it. In 2016, there was a report from some expert traffic engineers called Brian Hall, commissioned by the department, which included the impact of tall trees and the roundhouse um, on the uh, government grounds. And it was presented to the department before Howard Quayle made his decision to give us permission to use the hospital roads for access. We weren't, or we still haven't been given a copy of this report, but our clerk was at a meeting where it was discussed, and they basically they said uh, any any uh, increased traffic from these two buildings could be uh, managed. They did also say it needed more footpaths on the hospital grounds, and they haven't put any in in eight years. Now, this road that they say we need to put in, it comes across a piece of land which is owned by the government. First of all, we're not allowed to build a road on somebody else's land. We have to buy the land. It was valued over a month ago. We still haven't been told in a month how much it is. We have been told we cannot go on it. If we go on it, we'll be trespassing. And we need to go on it to clear the bracken and the bushes and a couple of trees to see what's underneath it for get price for the road. And within a month, we won't be allowed to it because of this bird nesting problem season. Um, so... 
they're shouting from the rooftops saying we've got to have a road, yet they are putting objections in the way of us progressing it. So you've got to ask the question, why? The other thing was about the crossing that um, he's... um, the minister mentioned yesterday or the day before regarding um, planning permission. Well, we already have three crossings on uh, Braddon Road and um, Bow Oats Road. And if you consider that on Peel Road, opposite the spa shop, there's a crossing there exactly the same with an island and that's we've been trying to get a, um, a pedestrian crossing there, and they said what's there is is, is okay. Now, how is it okay on Peel Road, which is a major road, yet compared with that, Braddon Road is a country lane, and we got to put another one in. Now, we've uh, as regards the DOI, we asked them for plans for a crossing and they said no you've got to provide your own we have spent ten thousand pounds having plans done when they at the doi has probably got a drawer full of plans for crossing they've they've had the crossing details now for ages and we're still waiting them to be passed so how can we build a crossing until they pass the thing? And if you consider Cool Road, where there's a, there's a crossing up by Robinson's and uh, Riley's, uh, it's there for the benefit of the businesses, and that was put in by the government without a cost to anybody. We have a community one, which they're telling us we have to pay for ourselves, which... Personally, I don't think it is necessary. If you're coming by bus from the west, you get off the bus on the right side of the road. If you're coming from Douglas side, you get off just before Palatine and um, you walk through into Palatine and there'll be a path from Palatine's car park. And while I'm talking about Palatine, however, it was quite correct. We do have permission to use Palatine when they're closed as an excess car park. I think, uh, Peter, uh-huh. most of the public... Well, well, I'll just praise here for, like, two questions. First, well, number one is, how has it come to this? And number two is, when is it going to be resolved? Well, to answer those questions, I haven't got a crystal ball. We, we the, the commissioners, are sat waiting to talk to the people. All we get is no answers... Uh, although you can't get no answer, but you know what I mean. Um, but the other things, when is it going to be resolved? That they say that they're going to block the road uh, next Monday. Well, it's we're disputing whether they can do it. Uh, if they do do it, there'll be injunction going in. And it was a road long before the hospital was there. And if it's a public road, they can't block it. But this is this is the threat we're put up to. They talk about the ambulances being disru- disrupted. No ambulances use West Drive. Ambulances either use South Drive or the Main Drive. <coughs> and when you consider, for three years, there's been heavy construction traffic 
of uh, cement wagons, you, you name it, dozens of vans in and out. And as far as we're aware, there's never been any issue at all. Peter, can and you we, uh, can you tell us what's the feeling like amongst your fellow, among Mr Jessup, Mr Morgan, Mr Mellon and Mr Quay? What's the feeling like between you all about, over this? Frustration. We're bending over backwards to do things and... And, and we, we've come to um, Manx Care, the safety officer, came out with mitigation circumstances, which we've done up to his standard. And to, just to tell you how ridiculous it is, um, they wanted two lights putting up on West Drive. There are six lights on West Drive not working so put your own house in order first before you start telling other people. Um, it's we're we're waiting, bending over backwards to do things and get things sorted. We cannot issue leases while this threat of a road closure is is over us. We need that re- rescinding, and then we can go ahead and and start start doing things. And when you consider, Andrew, just finally, the swimming pool down at Castletown spent £450,000. Whatever it costs, I'm sure it's worthwhile. We've never had a penny from the government. Not a penny. The, the roundhouse will employ at least 25 people who will pay income tax, national insurance and VAT. We'll be putting money into government coffers, not taking it out. And so we've had one or two MHKs come up and have a look. And, uh, of course, you would say, I would say this, but they're all tremendously impressed with the facilities up here, waiting waiting to open. So I'd like to have given an open invitation to any other MHK or MLC to come up and have a look and see what they're missing. Um with, there is a requisition meeting on the 17th of March and there'll be a timeline uh, with all the details put in before that, hopefully about a week before that, so people can see that and understand what's going on. Where's the requisition what? meeting going to be held? At the Roundhouse. Good. That's... I'm, so... I'm... <laughs> Well, what we're going to do, what we're going to do is, we're going to say the representative meetings at seven o'clock. Come at six thirty, and you'll be shown round the facilities that we have, and you will be amazed. We've, every weekend, the sports hall is jam-packed. Uh, we even have a baby shower this weekend in one of the rooms, but we cannot issue leases until. We've been advised legally not to issue leases until this has been rescinded. Now, uh, I would like anyone who feels a little bit more informed get in touch with their MHK and ask them why this is going on. Okay, all right. One of the things Mr. Cannon's been asked to do is listen to the public. We appreciate that, Peter. Thanks for coming on and uh, putting uh, that point of view and the facts before us. Thanks for calling today. OK, thank you. Bye-bye. It's half past 12 on Man in Line. This is Manx Radio. It's good to talk. 
It's how we get things done. So when you apply for a personal loan from Black Horse, you'll get support from one of our relationship managers who's there to talk you through your application. You could borrow up to £50,000 with up to seven years to pay it back and you could receive your money within 24 hours of approval. Ready to talk? Go to blackhorseoffshore.co.uk to request a callback today. Finance subject to status. Applicants must be 18 or over. How do you really get to feel healthier? Eat healthier. ShopRite's healthy choice ranges make it easy and truly enjoyable. All over our chillers and freezers, food that even sounds better for you. Like the Gym Kitchen protein-packed frozen meals, Plant Chef plant-based chilled and frozen food, and free-from ranges across the store from pasta to cereal. Better for you doesn't have to mean boring anymore. Try our range of healthier alternatives. Available now at ShopRite. EPS just finished painting our house and we're delighted with the results. Very impressed with the speed, quality and standard of work. We would recommend EPS highly. House looks like new. Brilliant job from start to finish. EPS, transforming properties island-wide with a revolutionary Protex wall covering system. Guaranteed for 10 years. Visit eps.company for details. There's a waiting list, but it'll be worth it. A good job well done. Thank you, EPS. Tonight, here on Manx Radio, join Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark, at six o'clock for Countryside. We hear from Ruth Mead from Red My Farm to talk about her Lockton meat going into Robinson's. And I talk to one of the ex-skippers of the Meseron fleet, Norman Lease, to find out the challenges and difficulties of navigating the boats around the Irish Sea. That's all in Countryside tonight here on Manx Radio at six o'clock. And don't forget, you can download and subscribe to the podcast for free at manxradio.com. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Fast I. Good afternoon. David's with us now. Hi, David. Hi, Andy. Um, just a couple of comments on the uh, budget special that you had on Friday yep. and also the um, two-tier pension system that they we're now developing here. Um, Eleven minutes into the broadcast, Mr Cannon said that everybody in receipt of a bank's pension will be £979 better off, which that's a fair uplift if uh, you're a pensioner. And... Um, Dr. Allenson didn't query or anybody else in your studio. Um, the only thing is, what he failed to tell people was you needed 35 years national insurance to get that. If you've got 12 years national insurance and you're retired, next year you'll get a third of that. So it's very misleading, and I'm just wondering why Mr. Allenson didn't step in and say, oh, you know, I need to correct you on, on the fact. So that, I know, oh, that £18.83 per week uplift is only with 35 years NI? Yes. So if you've got, um, say, 12 years, you're only going to get a third of it. Right. So it's like £300 uplift. And then the other thing is, if, um, if you retired in April 19th, You'd have got £53, these are all approximate, £53 uh, pension supplements. 
if you retire in April this year, which is the year financially Mr. Cannon's talking about, your max pension supplement goes down, supplement goes down by 5% per year. So it's approximately £700 less than if you retired in 19, which means you're £979 now. You're going to have taken off your £700 from the pension supplement. So it's looking very shaky for people who are um, retired in the future because there will come a point in time where we'll have a set of pensioners on 50-odd pound a week and some pensioners coming down to zero when Just it eventually r- gets there. Run through that again, David, will you? The Manx pension, pen, the Manx pension supplement is in addition to your pension because of the cost of living on the island. Right. Now, if you retired in April 19, it was £53 a week, roughly. If you retire this April, it's um, £39.64, which is approximately £700 less than if you'd retired five years ago. And this is going down every single year. But it wasn't very well publicised when they decided to, to reduce the Manx pension supplement. And the reason it was here is because of the cost of living. Now, the cost of living has done anything other than go up. So I think it's um, it needs to be highlighted that this is it's going to be a disaster for some pensioners in the future compared with people who are retiring now and in 2019 or previous to that. And, and what conclusion do you think those pensioners are going to draw? Well, the people who have been told that they're going to be nearly £980 better off, uh, unless they realise that it only with a full 35-year national insurance contribution that you'll get that, and then you, you, you'll have to do a calculation to see what you will get. OK, right, well, thanks for straightening just, that out. Just one other thing. Um, at that same meeting, somebody asked the question, how come the high net worth individuals are not being asked to contribute any more this year? And I just thought it was an absolute um, poor show on Mr. Allenson's part that he said there's only 50 or 60 of them on the island. Now, some of these people are not millionaires, they're billionaires. And to say that there's only 50 or 60 of them here, and that's why we didn't bother asking them to contribute anymore. When, if you're in there, sort of bus driver, and you you pay your national insurance and your tax, or if you work overtime and you've got to contribute more, why is because there's only fifty or sixty of these people? It wasn't worth them. Um, asking them for more money because they're the people that could afford to pay the most on the island. And you could, I mean, that could have been done, I mean, I'm not being facetious, but that could have been done in a ring round. You know, you could have spoken to those those people individually and I think they break down into two people. There are some high net worth individuals over here that have got businesses that employ people, raise tax and NI and what have you, but there are people who are here just because of the tax regime. So it'd be easy surely to go to them and just say, look, you know, do you think you could, you know, would you mind sparing a few extra bob? Would it be that much of, of an inconvenience? They can only say no. <laughs> well, they shouldn't be given the opportunity to say no. The bus driver hasn't got the opportunity to say no. Or the nurse or people working in hospitality or in a nurse and home. We don't have a choice. Yeah. And to, to, to say to somebody who's a billionaire, give us £200,000 and we'll call it quits, is, is paying... 
a thousandth of a percent of what a nurse pays. You see, nobody fact. nobody quite knows because they all talk about uh, you know golden passports in Portugal, which I think have gone now. But that's uh, that's a kind of regime whereby people were given tax incentives to go and plonk their high net worth backside in other countries. We don't yeah. know how much it would take of a burden for them to clear off from the Isle of Man. Some of them may be completely in love with the Isle of Man and would stay come what may. Yeah, but if you compare it to the UK, I think the most you pay in the UK now is 47% tax. So even if you ask them to pay 20% tax, they're still saving a vast amount of money. Even if you ask them to pay just 10% of what they've earned. Because we've got this ridiculous situation now with uh, this Baroness that... Um, the family made £60 million more in one year on top of the vast wealth. And that £60 million, if it comes to the Isle of Man, not one penny of that will be asked to be put into the tax or the national insurance system because if you pay the £200, it's finished with, which is wrong. OK. All right, we Got appreciate it. it. Thanks Thank for that, you, David. Andy. No, it's Final. good to talk to you. Thanks for calling today. And from one David to another. Hi, David. Hi, Randy. I just wanted to slightly defend the Chief Minister and the, the issue he's got now. He definitely has... We do have keyboard warriors in the Isle of Man which uh, stirred up issues. But I'd like to say to the people out there who are listening, it's the team the Chief Minister's got around him. And that's not just the Council of Ministers. It's the members. And I think a little hint from Mr Cameron's statement this morning was... He may be looking to suggest, or the minister sh- should be suggesting, a change of membership in their own departments. I wonder how many members are not actually doing anything, involving themselves in in the department, say, in education. I welcome the change of Daphne coming in there, Mrs. Kane there. I hope she will address the bullying that's happening in schools, which has been identified. And the other issue is, too, regarding vaping in, in schools there. And I'll just quickly flip. In the UK, I've been told now that the, the manufacturers have come to a, a settlement now where they're doing the same as uh, kids with smoking and drinking, and you've got to be a certain age. Now, why aren't our government or the Home Affairs Minister just saying, let's follow the same route? We're still waiting for uh, royal assent. I'm sure the king's not sitting on it there. I just wonder where it is so we can get the, address these particular issues. I feel we're not addressing stuff as we're going along and it, it's down to, in my opinion, sometimes the members not engaging and how many members are in departments are doing something. And uh, and again, we sit on the outside. You have yeah. been on the inside. I mean, it it, it, it is fairly... It's fairly common, or shall I say, it's not entirely unknown, that lots of politicians can't bear the sight of other politicians. So hearing that people are gunning for Mr Cannon is surely, it's no big surprise, is it? It's happened all the time. It does. And like I say, I'd say the people are there, right? What's the team we've got in at the minute? And you look at that team right across the board and you think, who's going to do a better job? 
Who's going to pull things together? And Who that's the po- that's the point, David. I think the fact is that you know, there's nobody gets on a bus that you know the destination of which is anywhere other than here. You yeah. get on a bus that's got a destination, and at the moment, Mr. Cannon has a destination on the front of his bus. Now, yeah. some people may disagree with it. Some people may think he's going in the wrong direction, but he's got a direction and he's got yeah. a bus. So. Yeah. You know, a vote of no confidence may take the you know take it may take the pressure off it uh, may take the steam out of the situation, but it, in the end, it doesn't do us any good yeah. because and we have we have to go in a direction. We can't yeah. stay still. No, the final thing I'll say is, I don't know how many uh, members actually voted for the plan, but I think ninety something ninety five percent of them did. So what's the issue, and why are they not? making sure the plan can be delivered. And I still feel for Braddon commissioners. And Mr. Hooper should hang his head in shame that he's stopping something happen which will support the community. And everybody that lives in the community, that that's the wrong way to move. And somebody needs to stand up to him and say to him, look, Minister, I think we used to in the old days. Minister, you've got it wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. OK, thanks, David. Bye. I've got a note in from Peter, the uh, ch- uh, um, vice chair of uh, Braddon Commissioners. That meeting is on the 17th, by the way. The requisition meeting is at the Roundhouse in Braddon on the 11th of March, not the 17th of March. Uh, so this is what Mr Cannon had to say this morning in recent days, where we've heard from MHKs they gauge whether a, a vote of no confidence, there is a facility for it, um, in the chief minister is in the public's interest following the sacking of Juliette from Comin and the response to the budget, Alfred Cannon's position has been called into question by some people. He was on Manx Radio's breakfast show live this morning and he was asked bluntly whether he's considering his position. Well, I'm certainly not above scrutiny. I'm not above challenge, you know, and I'm certainly not infallible. That's the first thing I would say. Uh, And the second thing I would say is, you know, I really do think that the two or three MHKs who are driving this on on Facebook should really bring this matter um, properly to the House of Keys and to the floor of Tim Ward. You know, and it should be part of proper, robust debate. I don't think uh, the current positioning really is is helping uh, confidence, and I certainly don't think it's it's really helping the island tackle some of the, the big issues. And the second thing, you know, I did want to speak to your listeners this morning or, or to say to them, look, I mean, you know, as I said, I, clearly I have responsibilities to, to do the right thing in terms of the management of the Council of, of Ministers. I am part of a, a collective uh, and we are driving forward a quite ambitious plan. But, but the last two and a half years have been also, I think, for all of us, government and for the public and for businesses and for private individuals, you know, quite seismic. We've It's less than two years ago that we were exiting COVID. In fact, this council was dealing with the Omicron variant and trying to take us out from COVID. And there's been a huge numbers of, of legacy issues that have been left behind, including connectivity, of course, a housing crunch, problems with the, with the workforce, healthcare, education impacts. We've had a war in Ukraine. We've had to deal with a significant change to the financial landscape and, of course, had a big credit crunch and financial impact on people, people's lives and in government finances and, of course, business. And we've also 
had a very at home we've had a very difficult um, employment tribunal which has caused a lot of grief and a lot of soul searching and indeed a lot of changes but on top of you know and on top of that we've had to bring forward a very ambitious plan but listen I, I would say to 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 everybody look keep going <laughs> we, we we are getting through this you know there are brighter days ahead i know there are a lot of problems councillor ministers know there are a lot of problems there's still a lot for government to to get to grips with but a lot of plans and foundations have had to be laid in this very very difficult period chief minister there this morning on makes radio i just wonder what your thoughts are text email call and whatsapp is this a sideshow or is there something in it I wish I had a better savings account. Did you hear about Skipton International's great rates for their savings accounts? No, tell me more. Skipton are currently offering a 5% AER fixed rate account maturing 14th of March 2025. Wow, that's a really good deal. It's no wonder Guernsey's bank Skipton International offers some of the best rates around. For details of all Skipton savings products, call 01481 730 730 or visit skiptoninternational.com. It's time to switch to Skipton. No withdrawals allowed until maturity. Interest is paid annually and upon maturity. Skipton International is licensed to take deposits by the GFSC and is a participant in the Guernsey Banking Deposit Compensation Scheme. See dcs.gg. Ride in to H&H Motorcycles. Hello, I'm Nathan Harrison. For motorcycle sales, service, repairs, tyres, suspension, including upgrades, or for long-term restorations, choose the team that builds race-winning bikes. H&H Motorcycles on South Key Industrial Estate, Douglas. Now stockists for Arai, Motul and RST. H&H Motorcycles. Your bike couldn't be in better hands. Are you tired of looking at your old, worn-out flooring? Then you need the red carpet treatment from Castle Carpets. With our expert fitting and friendly, reliable service, let us carpet your castle. Call 842-480 to arrange your free quotation island-wide. I love to drive. Drive smarter. Drive more reliable. Drive a great deal at Manin Motors. With a superb range of cars for every budget, always available. And if we don't have it, we'll source it. Plus, servicing, valeting, and prestige detailing too. Man in Motors, Richmond Hill, Douglas. Find us on Facebook or call 420-420. That's 420-420. Drive a better bargain at Man in Motors. Every Sunday afternoon here on Manx Radio at 4 o'clock, join myself, Simon Clark. As Mish, Phil Gorn. Live with Gullis Gaggan. We clarify and translate some Isle of Man place names. Rietna Slagen. Well, Riet is a view, and then N Slagen is the hills, but in the construction there, it means of the hills. So Rietna Slagen, the view of the hills. Plus, we go through some of the Manx words and dialect. Surely everyone knows Shield, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mis- mischief. That's Gullis Gaggan live here on Manx Radio every Sunday afternoon at four. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Eleven minutes before one. Tony's on now. Hi, Tony. Yeah, hi, Andy. Real quick. I'm not going to stay on long. The comment from Alf Cannon this morning was, we had to bring in a new plan, but his new plan doesn't work for the Isle of Man. It might work for his numbers, but it doesn't work for the Isle of Man. You're taxing people more who can't afford it, instead of taxing the people who can afford it. So that's not a plan for the Isle of Man. And he didn't have to do what he's done. So I don't, I don't, 
think that's a very good comment from him. We had to do something means he had to do it. He wanted to do it. Not we as a, as a nation want to do it. And the other thing I think you've got to ask yourself is, what is Laurie Hooper doing? Because he's not doing his job. He's just not. In, in, in what, in what uh, context? Well, in, in all senses. One, the, the health service is not working properly. We're spending a fortune sending people across instead of building a health service here. We've got an administration which is, is proposed by a civil servant that we should have more civil servants and more administration than we had before. And it didn't work before. It doesn't work now. It's just more cost. So if you got rid of Manx Care and went back to something that was like the old one and told them, right, stop messing about and fix it, get on with it, you'd probably have saved at least £10 million a year. At least. And you wouldn't have this higher cost all the time because, obviously, Manx Care cannot stay to their budget. They're given a budget. They say we wouldn't need this much money. Whether it's what they get or not is not the point. But they nobody, nobody, I don't know. I mean, the person who says no to, uh, you know, more medical care, more dentists, more doctors, nobody's going to say no to that. So you're, you're basically in charge of an industry that has unlimited demand. It's unlimited demand if you keep adding things to it that are not essential. I mean, I'll give you an example. They can now tell you how many people have got coughs. Is that really an essential service? Honestly? You are, you're paying for administrators to sit around a table once a month, and half of them don't live here, and discuss issues that really don't have any impact on a poor person who's sick. We're sending people across and it's not organised properly because they have to sit in the airport. Both ends, often. But we can't fix it as it used to be because they got rid of all the consultants because some bright person thought we shouldn't have consultants working for themselves and the NHS. Instead of it being something where we said we want more consultants to come and live here and make it a private plus NHS service, no, we want it just to be socially. We've got to just do NHS. You can't do your own private stuff. So what, what's your, uh, what will be your advice to Mr Cannon right now? Mr Cannon should think really hard about what he's put in that budget or he's allowed his minister to put in the budget because it's not Alf Cannon's budget, it's his budget. Because what he's done is tax people more who can't afford it. And he should be looking at taxing people less who can't afford it, and taxing people in more who can afford it. So, I mean... So he needs to roll back on it. So when he... I mean, obviously, the the personal allowance has been frozen, uh, which basically it's a stealth tax now because that brings more people into into paying tax. Yeah. And and effectively, he's jumped up the tax bracket so that you're paying 2% more. So if I'm on £60,000 a year, like most of the MHKs are... How much extra tax am I contributing compared to the purses on £22,000 a year and can't afford it? Think about that. OK. All right, Tony, we appreciate it. All right. All the best. Take care, Andy. Good to hear from you. And uh, Charlie's uh, been waiting very patiently. Hi, Charlie. Hi, uh, uh, This access to the roundhouse. Yeah. 
I started using that road in the early 70s when I used to play football for Onken to go and play football in the field in front of the roundhouse. Now, there was, it was a law. It was brought in against Jeremy Clarkson down at um, Langness for shutting up a footpath. If you've got 21 years of access for, off a road, it becomes a right away. And that was taken to court and made Jeremy Clarkson open up the footpaths again. So are the government or health service going against the law? Well, nobody knows, do they, at the moment? Because from what the, the Braddon vice chair, the commissioners, was saying, the, 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 the government's not even speaking to them. Yes, but the thing is, if Jeremy Clarkson can be prosecuted to open up a footpath that's been had 21 years of use by law... How can Manx Care close a road off that's had more than 50-odd years of use by the general public? The government own the land. The people own the land, not Manx Care. So do you think, from what was said, they're going to, they're going to block that road? Well, they need to go to court and they're tried out in court because um, they can't change a law of 21-year access for their own means. Yeah, but we know what happens when you go to court. The only people that win are the advocates. Yes, but it'll put civil servants uh, in their place because uh, Manx Care, since the uh, Alamand Health Service went, Manx Care has gone downhill. I asked uh, the chief executive, how many millions did we spend on changing from Alamand Health Service to Manx Care? She wouldn't answer me. I said that money could have been spent on patients, not some whim of the civil servant. OK. All right, Charlie, thanks for okay. calling. Cheers, then. Oh, cheers, now. It's uh, five to one. When the man in line's not on air, call Manx Radio to leave your opinion for broadcast on 682 631. I don't know whether you spotted that proposed £40 million Sulby Riverside mixed-use project in Ramsey. Um, doesn't have planning. It was rejected at the planning committee. Uh, yesterday, that was. Um, uh, we've got lots of comments on that. I haven't got time at the moment, but certainly we'll talk about it. Tomorrow, remember, it's Douglas North with David Ashford and John Wallenberg. Some more comments to get through. Bill said the Chief Minister said he'll let people have their say. However, is he listening? That's the point. Uh, he just ignored people, uh, says Bill. Uh, the Bragram Requisition meeting is the 11th of March. Everybody's correcting me now as well. Uh, nobody's noticed the Manx Labour Party has been very quiet over the budget. Says Big John in Laxey. It will be good for the Manx Labour Party. Even this uh, rising bus fares for school children is wrong. We're at a point now where we're taxing children. Thanks also to Kay, who just said, I think Mr Huber gets involved in other issues, like the uh, removing the bishop's vote. Now this road at Braddon, he's got more than enough problems at the hospital, which I think he needs to uh, look at. Does Mr Hooper want to be chief minister? Well... These people who are trying to bring forward a vote of no confidence are just trying to deflect from themselves. It... He isn't liked as he's sorting out the wheat from the chaff, says uh, Nelly and Andreas. They should be ashamed. That's it. Thanks to Ben and Chris on the phones today. Stick around. Chris Clerk is on after the news at one, and we're back tomorrow with Douglas North. W I N T.